Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast. August 19th. One of Star Trek's biggest icons. Or celebrity fans. Or both. We'll be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. read by Star Trek showrunner Henry Alonzo Myers. Anyone can write, but few people can think. And it is my pleasure to welcome our guest host this week, actor, producer, director, and star of Star Trek Discovery, Mary Chifo. Welcome. Thank you. It's so lovely to be here with you too. We're <laughs> stoked to have you, everyone, one of everyone's favorite Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like hearing that. Laurel is very happy to hear that. By the <laughs> she way, works every, very hard. <laughs> every time I hear Laurel, I think I got a cousin named Laurel, by the way. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's what I I get from your name. I have a question for you. It's kind of about mm-hmm. the quote, but also just in general, I know you have a Juilliard background, right? And I have found that um, Star Trek is very Shakespearean in the way mm-hmm. it is written, correct? Would you? Absolutely. Yeah. And do you find your training, classical training, helped mm-hmm. you pr- with the character? Absolutely. I mean, I really feel I would like to think that I had the ability and energy within me to play this role, regardless of whether I had trained at Juilliard. But I know for certain coming out of that program and getting the challenges that I did, whether it was the language or the plot or the prosthetics, I was empowered to to take it on because I had been through four very intense years of a lot of very demanding things uh, <laughs> and, you know, very long hours and being like, I don't know if I can do that scene in scene study today and then showing up and finding out you could. So I really did feel that both on a on a technical level when it came to my understanding of text and breaking it down, I mean, certainly, again, breaking down the Klingon when we were speaking that fully definitely my Shakespeare training of of finding rhythm and operative words and all that sort of stuff. And then just generally confidence, though, that, hey, remember that time in third year when you really thought that you you were you were running on fumes, but you pulled it out anyway. Um, And that's, you know, so much about how they hope to prep us. Can I just say I love that you started with I don't I didn't need to go to Juilliard, but it helped. <laughs> no, I love that mm-hmm. you did that because that's it lets me know who you are a little bit. You're kind because that's oh, good. A, no, it's an equalizer, Trent. Wouldn't you agree? Because not everyone mm. has the luxury or can oh, get absolutely. in. First of all, it's very mm. hard to get in, but also it's expensive and all those things. And um, I mm. worry a little that we're heading towards where Europe is, where only trust fund kids can be actors, right? And so absolutely, I love yeah. that you put that in there. But let's get to the quote, right? Because yeah. I listen, I this quote is close to my heart. Because I wrote a book, Mm -hmm. right? Anyone can write, but few people can think. 
It's kind of mm-hmm. deep to me, and it reminds me of um, a little bit of the Dunning-Kruger effect. You guys know what that is? It's um, it's like you can see it in, in full effect on Instagram all the time. It's people who've done a little yes. bit, study, read mm-hmm. a, half a book on something, are now experts on mm-hmm. it. And they're on there telling right. you how to do everything. And it just reminded mm-hmm. me of this, because anyone can write or read a self-help book, right? But few people can actually think it up themselves uh, and be creative. Trent, what do you think? You know, the thing that resonated with me when I first read this quote is I always think about how um, easy it is. And it's and this is a very good thing. I think it's very easy for anyone to have their say online, especially on social media. We see that a lot. Uh, but I am a former blogger and I was able to turn like a hobby of mine into a career because I was able to write. Now, my caveat is I never consider myself a writer in that I was more a commentator and my writing was more short form. So, you know, I, and I always say anyone could do what I do. Everyone has their opinion and everybody has their take on whatever that it is that they're writing about. So while I am proof positive that anyone can write, uh, I think it's also <laughs> fair to say that, you know, it's, very few people take the time to do the extra work from just writing is easy. It takes patience and time to really think about things. So, you know, I, I try to think of that, that as well as when I'm posting things online, because sometimes I get really heated and I need to take the time, think about what I want to say before I actually go off and say and I, and I- that's a good point. I had to learn my cool down point in life, by the way. I know I really <laughs> yes. did, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> this is my biggest tip to people. Wait, find your cool down point and don't answer that email or that phone call until yeah. you are yep. calm enough yep. to be rational. Um, yeah. you, everybody's laughing because they know it's true. But <laughs> to that end, it's like anyone can write, but few people can think. And I think uh, I can't speak for Mr. Roddenberry, but I sort of feel like there was always an important idea or thought or message. When you got your scripts, mm-hmm. Mary, mm-hmm. were you aware or looking for that beat? Or how did, you know, you tell us about that. Because in everything, there's so many layers in a Star Trek episode and mm-hmm. themes going mm-hmm. on. Absolutely. I mean, when I add the social media aspect of this quote definitely resonated with me as well. I definitely, uh, that was, you know, it, it, it it's so wonderful with a franchise like this that has so long lived to be like, ah, <laughs> even more relevant. <laughs> exactly. But certainly, yes, I, I love asking specifically within working on scenes. I mean, it's making me think about actually uh, I've uh, spoken to the my first big episode is Laurel, episode four of the first season. The butcher's life, mm-hmm. knife cares not for the lamb's cry, which I think is the longest uh, titled episode no, nothing in Star Trek or it's up there. Nothing Shakespearean about that title. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah, that's the big Klingon episode. But what it did uh, make me think of actually is how it wasn't overtly scripted that Voke and Laurel had a romantic relationship or that it developed over that episode. And mm. I, it was a real credit uh, both to my my wonderful partner, Shazad, <laughs> uh, who is a softy at heart, as am I. We can be intense and intimidating people, but we both mm-hmm. really are rom-com people at our core. 
And uh, Olatunde Onsunsami, our director, who was uh, so celebratory of the Klingons in general and wanted to show their, uh, for lack of a better term, humanity. I'm trying to coin Klinganity as a term. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I love yeah, it. I, I love it. I'm sure this will come up as we discuss further quotes, but I, I uh, have definitely learned a lot from being an alien in Star Trek specifically because uh, so much of it comes back to humanity being the best thing. But I'm mm-hmm. like, well, well I'm <laughs> ego wrapped up in that one with humanity being the best thing yeah so when you read this quote or heard this quote what did it kind of other social media anything else that struck you or any thoughts about it mary yeah i mean yeah and just to that point the in between the lines the sort of what it means to really think and be present with another person because again i think that's Mm -hmm. what shazad and i found was like by being present with each other as actors we were able to uncover uh profundity to this these characters relationships and we weren't overtly like well it's not really in the script or it's not really there and i think that we um just agreeing with everything you were saying about think before you write when it comes to social media mm-hmm. but also to really um to really listen to people when they express their truth and when they have taken the time to to take a breath and then let you know how how something you did or said affected them uh, we mm-hmm. are unfortunately in such a reactionary time. And again, I've been there. There are things that make me want to react very strongly, very quickly. And I'm like, but I'm right. But um, I think mm-hmm. my hope is that, you know, we are continuing to move past the binary in so many ways that we really know that the world is not a dichotomy, that there's so much gray. And it's important that we take the time to hear other people's perspectives and celebrate them, which, again, I think is an innately Star Trek Gene Roddenberry uh, theme. We've gone over a lot of quotes with diversity and obviously it doesn't mean just just racial diversity and everything. Right. Biodiversity, mm-hmm. people, to all mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been lovely to dissect these quotes because. And I don't mean to be crass here, but I'm like, I'll just be bold. I feel like he was way ahead of his white man time at the time, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, for sure. That's heartwarming, actually, for me to see, because I was raised up Mm -hmm. on those old Star Trek original episodes as a babysitter when I was a little kid. So Mm -hmm. um, to have that infused in me, he was obviously someone who thought when he wrote. And Mary, we know you're producing and directing. Is that something, are you, you seem like a pretty conscious person. Before you do anything, are you kind of thinking about these projects and how they affect the world around you? Or is it just like, hey, it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I've been having a lot of conversations recently with a few uh, good peers and pals. You know, I think there are many different ways in which one can be creative. Um, But I Mm -hmm. certainly, again, uh, tying back to the Juilliard of it all, I felt, and I, in line with what you were saying about, um, I respect the fact that I was able to train there. There were a myriad of circumstances. I know that my talent was a huge part of that. Uh, But there were a myriad of circumstances in my life that led me to be able to know about the school, to apply, to audition, to get that call back, to all that stuff. And I really... I have so many wonderfully creative and brilliant friends who went to all different sorts of training programs and not all of which are official training programs. I think we all are mm. training in life perpetually. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was talking with my my friend the other day about how for us, the two of us happen to be two people that really want to be always in training and not necessarily in class, but that just means in environments where I'm working, I'm learning and I'm open. I don't enter the room and say, I know all I need to know. 
now, you know, like now you will respect who I am. It's you have to have a confidence. You have to be able to own what you have to offer. But if you don't come in with that ability to think critically and uh, have a sense of, of work ethic, because I definitely in producing and directing specifically, which I've veered more and more into, I've always been that way with my acting. I'm on, uh, I research. I that was obviously with the Klingons. Mm -hmm. I watched every Klingon episode. Mm -hmm. Like I just that's how I uh, calm my anxiety is by <laughs> knowing as much as I can so that then I can be spontaneous. Yep. And I really feel yep. that structure creates spontaneity. And that's how I am as a producer and as a director. I want to have rehearsal time so that we can play and that when we have a performance, we are completely present with each other because we've done the work. We're, we, we are confident we're mm -hmm. backed up by the hard work that we've already done. And so if I'm asked to do that as an actor, I do whatever I need to do. I don't need to tell everybody everything, every bit of research I've done, but that makes me a confident <laughs> that makes, and collaborative person. That makes you a fun actor to be around on set. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, uh, I'm yeah, an actor yeah. too, yeah. and the amount of people yeah. who are proofy, you're like, hey man, just... But be so. Yeah. You know what I love about Mary just said, Trent is it's almost like she's. I'm not trying to rewrite this quote, but anyone can think, but few people can learn. Anyone can write, but few people can learn and think mm -hmm. and learn mm -hmm. and then synthesize yep. that and create something out of it. You know. Yes, and then earlier something else that she said it also resonated with me about anyone can talk, but few people listen. So I think that those are also the kinds of things that this quote kind of speaks to as well. Which is also something people forget, like for up and coming actors, right? They forget that like listening is the skill too. If you, listening mm -hmm. is a huge, it's not just, are you done? It's my line. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. And that's what we love to watch so often. I certainly find that as a director, I'm always encouraging my actors to be even even more present when you're just listening. And I do a lot of, mm -hmm. some of my producing semi-directing has been in the improv world. And that innately has to be listening. And I do this long form genre improv, which is a whole beast in itself because you're creating about an hour long story based off of a certain genre. So it's, it's you're in scene study, but you don't have the lines yet. You are finding out what you're going mm -hmm. to say based off of the other person. So it, and that wow. I found, yeah. It's kind of like dogma cinema, but for... Yeah. for, for <laughs> Right? Like a little bit, just yeah. like, go with it. That sounds amazing, yeah, just, by the way. It sounds really creative. It really is an incredible tool. If nothing else, I think it's fun to watch, especially once you are aware of how it kind of works. And now that I've been in class, like I see what people are doing, how they're yes-anding each other based off of the tools that we've been given. And I found that it's really, again, infused itself into both my myself as a human interacting mm -hmm. with other humans and sometimes Klingons. But also, yes, as a performer in scripted work, I have really learned how that there are moments, I think, again, coming from structure and being such a perfectionist, I wanted to be word perfect and honor the playwright and take every beat that was written in the script. And I've learned how to be a little mm -hmm. bit more of a rebel in service of the story mm -hmm. because of my improv uh, training that I've been doing, because it allows me to go, remember that scene where in the improv, you didn't know what you were gonna say, so your mouth was a little bit open and you almost spoke? That can happen in a scripted thing um, and that's you being Such present. A good point. Even more right. so. That's you. That's you thinking about yeah. it. Like, yeah, more than just the written word. You're thinking beyond what 
the written word saying yeah. to you. That's yeah. so fascinating. Really, really feel how every, each word that is being said to you is impacting you, regardless of mm -hmm. how you're going to verbally respond to it. See, and I was the, I started in film and they were like, ad lib, do whatever you want. So by the time I did TV, I was like, what do you mean? I can't just make up a whole paragraph. Here. <laughs> it was a big learning process. Listen, we are super lucky to have Mary all week. All week so long. We thank you so much for joining us today. And if you want to see today's quote read or any of our quotes, you can please visit the Roddenberry social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we'll be back tomorrow with Mary. And we hope that you'll join us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us. Post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. 